Hey Breasties, I'm your host Dana Miller and this is Latching On, a podcast about the journey to motherhood and all of its trials and tribulations. Breasties, get to pumping, get to bagging your milk or feeding your baby. And if you're new to the Breastie Gang, hi, welcome. My name's Dana and I'm a new mom to a five-month-old baby boy who everybody around here knows as the bear. I live in Austin, Texas with my wonderful supportive husband and of course our baby we wouldn't leave him anywhere else of course he doesn't live on his own and I used to work in the medical field for about eight years before I became a stay-at-home wife around 35 weeks pregnant and then of course eventually a stay-at-home mom I always knew I wanted to be a mom eventually I'm very happy that it did not happen earlier on in my life, but I always knew I wanted to be one. I was a nanny for multiple families for many years, I would say almost a decade. And on top of that, I am a retired baby doll child. I carried my baby Annabelle with me literally everywhere I went, and I can't even tell you what age I stopped doing that at. So I think my mom was actually a little concerned that there may be a teen pregnancy in the works, but alas, I made it to 27 years old. Let's go. Latching On is an extension of my TikTok platform where I have created this community for breastfeeding moms, new moms, just basically to help mamas keep going with their breastfeeding journey to show that not every day is going to be a great day and to never quit on a bad day. So while my content is breastfeeding, breastfeeding, (laughs) breastfeeding forward, (laughs) It's not just limited to uh, breastfeeding moms. I want all moms to be able to relate since, you know, we're all on the same journey. We are just kind of taking different paths. I just always want to give daily reminders of strength and encouragement throughout the motherhood journey. So doing this podcast is actually more so to shine a light on my fellow mamas and to give them the platform and the space to talk about their birth story or their breastfeeding journey or maybe just even their motherhood journey as a whole with trials, tribulations, and everything in between. So the goal is to create another platform where other mamas can listen and resonate with the storyteller instead of with me. My inspiration to starting this podcast is actually from my supportive husband that clearly sees no limits in what I can accomplish and also wildly inspired by my community of breasties who remind me that every day we are all on the same journey. None of our paths are the exact same, like I said before, and our babies are not the same babies. Like that's something very important to remember when it comes to babies hitting milestones and the way babies are sleeping and breastfeeding versus formula feeding like our babies are not all the same and they all require different things and they're going to grow at different levels we're not the same mamas and we're all dealing with different hardships traumas home lives and motherhood goals so massive shout out to my og breasties for pushing me to do more because without you guys i definitely wouldn't have made it this far with that being said each week i'm going to have a different breast star if you will on the show to share their story. Like I said, it can be their birth story, their breastfeeding journey, tough battles with postpartum depression, anxiety, and rage, all of the above. Literally anything that they want from their motherhood journey. It's not limited to breastfeeding moms, even though it may 
primarily feel like that because most of my following is breastfeeding mamas. But I would love to also find mamas who exclusively formula feed as well because breastfeeding is not your entire identity when it comes to motherhood. And I think it'd be important to see from their aspect, you know, maybe why they're formula feeding or if, you know, if it's for their mental health, if they just weren't able to breastfeed, you know, whatnot. But you can expect each episode to probably be about 30 minutes long, which is perfect for any mama that is sitting down to pump or bag their milk, feeding their baby. It's literally the perfect time to listen to a podcast when you're feeding your baby, especially in those early days. I remember nursing sessions being so long or maybe just simply going for a drive and just needing a little something to listen to throughout your day. Today, I am my own breast star. I figured what better way to launch a podcast than to kind of tell my own story. Eventually, you guys are going to want to know it. So to start, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on myself. My now husband and I have been together since December of 2019. We actually met on Hinge while he was in Korea on an army location for nine months. Location, rotation, my words. Guys, I just, I can't talk. I had just gotten out of a very toxic and abusive marriage, which is a whole different story. <laughs> but he was halfway across the world and we had matched in September and spent every single day talking to each other with a 15-hour time difference. So... I mean, I would be staying up late. He would be staying up late in order for us to be able to talk to each other, really. But we had nothing to lose because he would be in Korea until February of 2020. The rest is history. We moved in together January of 2021 and been attached to the hip ever since then. He truly is my very best friend and my biggest supporter in everything that I do. And I can't imagine life without him. During COVID, I was working in the hospital taking care of patients as they were fighting for their lives. It was honestly the saddest thing ever. It was traumatizing. But instead of my regular scheduled three 12-hour shifts a week, I would often work like five or six 12-hour shifts a week for about six months. About a year into that, I transitioned to the clinic where I worked in orthopedic sports medicine surgery. And that was literally the happiest I've ever been in a job in my entire life. It was extremely hard to leave that job. I loved the doctors that I worked with. I loved my coworkers, my bosses, like everybody there was absolutely amazing. And I've developed really great relationships with my patients. So that was really, really hard to leave. But I ended up leaving that when I was about 30 weeks pregnant. I think it was 30 weeks, 30 weeks pregnant. And when we moved, because it was like an hour drive from where we had just built our home. And that was just too dangerous on I-35 to be driving in the morning to work and then back to Austin in the afternoon. So I wasn't doing all that. If I could have brought Micah with me, though, to work, I think 100% I would still be there. That would literally make my entire day. All right. Now... My pregnancy journey, it started in September of 2022, and I decided to go and see my OB for some endometriosis suspicions. So we ended up doing an exploratory surgery to see what was going on, and he would take care of anything that he noticed in there. So he did find endometriosis cysts and also cleared my tubes because I had also told him that I had some 
concerns that I had some fertility issues. So he just went ahead and did that since I was already under anesthesia. And I did not, I did not want to do that without anesthesia, let me tell you, because I was in so much pain after that. Oh my gosh, that was absolutely miserable. So anyway, that was at the very end of September. And then I had somehow talked Ryan into having a baby. I don't, I wouldn't say it, it took too much talking into him by any means, but yeah. So I started doing that in October where I started, as anybody knows, hold on, rewind. As anybody knows, trying to conceive journey can be kind of obsessive, very like, and that's the thing is when I get something in my head that I want to do, I'm going to do it. And I got really, really obsessed with tracking my cycle. I was buying a lot of LH test strips, a lot of pregnancy tests. I was tracking every single symptom. I had multiple apps. Like I was going, I was going crazy. It was all I could think about all the time. Honestly, now I think back of it, I'm like, holy cow, I was, I was really going through it. So anyway, pregnancy did not happen in October. It did not happen in November. And then finally in December, I got that little blue line. Actually, maybe it was pink. I don't know, pink or blue, but I got the line. And it was nine days post-ovulation, which is crazy because it was super, super, super faint. I mean, I have line eyes for sure. I can see the faintest of lines. And I was like, oh, my God, am I pregnant? I remember I took the pregnancy test in the evening and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a line. It's, it's positive. Like, I know it. I know it to be. And I was sitting in my office upstairs for like a good hour looking at this test in all different lighting. Mind you, I was not telling Ryan this, like, because God forbid if it was pregnant, I didn't want him to know I wanted to be able to surprise him. And so I was sitting up there and I was looking at it under different light and I was taking pictures and I was changing the contrast. I was putting it into negative. I was sending it to, I had a friend. I was like, oh my God, and nobody else I had talked to about it, but I was like, oh my God, is this, do you think this is positive? And of course they were like, I don't see anything. And I'm like, but I see it. I swear I see it. I know I do. And I was like, I'm, I, I'm just going to act like I am. I'm just going to take another test tomorrow. But lo and behold, I took like three or four that night and every single one I was like, no, I swear these are all positive. Fast forward to the next day, I'm at work, but I take pregnancy tests with me to work. So I'm like, I'm going to test today and we're going to find out my, basically my HCG should be higher because it was the morning of the next day. And so I did. In between patients, I went into the bathroom. I took a pregnancy test. I had pterodactyls in my belly and it was positive. And I, I mean, it was like obviously positive. But then you're still kind of like in denial. And so then you take another 15, 20. I mean, I was still ordering boxes of pregnancy tests. I had those easy at home pregnancy test strips that you get from Amazon. And I loved those. Those were absolutely amazing. But when I tell you, I took like an entire box of 100. I'm not joking. And then on top of that, I also took like the clear blues and the first response. I took them all. Okay. So after taking my 1 million at-home pregnancy tests, I didn't want to wait for my, for my OB to put in the confirmation pregnancy test. So I took it upon myself and I purchased the lab, labs that you can get like at Quest because I wanted to see my actual quantitative 
levels. I wanted to see how much HGG I had because I wanted to make sure it was rising. So I literally did that three times to make sure that it was going up because once again, obsessive. That's me. Obsessed. I was obsessed. And then so I did that three times. And then my OB finally put it in for mine. He said, oh, yep, it says pregnant. Congratulations. And I was like, great. Thank you. Can you also do a quantitative one, though? So he's like, okay, because I was just, I was obsessed. I wanted to make sure I wasn't like having a chemical or I wasn't going to miscarry or whatever. So I found out, I found out December 20th and he saw me like mid-January. So, oh my gosh, a whole year ago. So yeah, I found out that I was pregnant. I believe it was December 20th or December 21st which is perfect timing so I could surprise Ryan on Christmas morning. And he did not love that. No, he did not. Ryan in the background right now is all like, ah, oh, I was just confused. You were like a mad scientist with all these strips. And then out of nowhere, you were like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm like, you act like that's not how pregnancy happens. You act like that was like we weren't trying to do that. Like it just poof, a baby appeared. Let me preface by saying that it's not that he didn't like it. He was just surprised. Like, he was not expecting it. I had the camera set up. We were exchanging Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. And literally the day before Christmas, I was like, oh, I got to go to Walgreens and, like, get something for your gift. I can't remember what it was. I think it was just, like, a little box because I was creating, like, a like a little box that just held a pregnancy test on the inside. I, I don't really remember it perfectly, but he was shocked, I think, to say the least, because I had... I think it was like the day before that or sometime that week when I knew that I had tested and I was positive. And he'd asked me if I tested yet. And I said, oh, yeah, it was negative. And he was all like, oh, he was like so upset for some reason, which is funny because then afterwards he like was like, wait, what? So confused. And he just had a really different reaction. He was like, oh, no, next month, next month, you know, like he, he was really banking on it being positive. Lo and behold, it was positive And I just hadn't told him. So I think that's also why he was kind of shocked because he really wasn't expecting that surprise. But yeah. Oh, also in the box, what I had done was I'd gotten him like one of those dad books. And I don't think that he had pieced it together when he unwrapped the book. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and look at the video. All I know is that he was shocked and that was that. And when we first went to our first OB appointment, I was seven weeks pregnant and we were able to see the little the little bear on the screen and it was the best. I loved it. And then after that ultrasound, I think like two weeks later, I was like, I'm paying for an ultrasound at this boutique ultrasound place. And let me just say, I think I paid for like three or four of those throughout the entire pregnancy because I was obsessed, literally obsessed, guys. I don't even know what to tell you. I was constantly wanting to see Micah. And you know what? Funny thing. I actually, we had an ultrasound machine at work for looking at joints and stuff for injections. And I would often go in ultrasound just to look at Micah. (laughs) So that was also really amazing. I loved being able to look at him whenever I wanted to. If I ever had any kind of anxiety, it would really put my anxiety at ease. So that was such an awesome resource to have. Ryan and I manifested having a baby girl. We honestly manifested it before having even decided to get pregnant. We were always talking about 
our future and it was always a little girl. I mean, I was buying before before we even decided to conceive, I was buying baby clothes for later. I was just like, oh, I was just gonna save us money in the long run, you know? And we were, actually it all started with Ryan because we were in old navy and he was like, This is so cute. Let's let's buy this for our future baby. And I said, Okay, yeah, absolutely. And it was like on sale. And that started a really bad habit for me. I was buying baby clothes that I would find that I liked. I was buying bamboo. It was quite literally insane. I had an entire tote of baby girl clothes as if I knew that we would be having a girl. So anyway, when I say we were putting it out into the world, we were putting it out into the world. Okay, this is how I know manifestation doesn't work because we did indeed have a boy. At six weeks pregnant, I was counting down the day and I was like, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to do the early at home gender test that everybody takes. It's called sneak peek. And actually the first one that I did, it was not at home. I want to say it was the one in lab. It was the, the girl at the ultrasound place did it for me. And she did not clean my arm the way that she was supposed to. She did not scrub it really hard. Mind you, I live with a man and I live with two male dogs. And I was like, I didn't shower before I came here. She did not scrub my arm like she was supposed to. So when the results came back, boy, I was like, no, it's not real. I was so in denial, you guys. I was like, uh uh, it's because she didn't scrub my arm hard enough. Mind you, these tests are $150 a pop. So I was like, she didn't do it. I'm just going to order one and I'm just going to do it here at home and I'm going to scrub the living daylights out of my arm. So I do that. I scrub the living daylights out of my arm. I think it's like 11 p.m. at night. And I'm like, oh, my God, babe, I got the email. The test results are in. And we were like freaking out. We open up the email. Boy, guys, I had some massive gender disappointment. And also I was in denial once again. So what did I do? I bought another at home sneak peek gender test. So I took that one. And you guessed it, came back once again as a boy. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm having a boy. I was super disappointed. And y'all, gender disappointment is so real. It's so normal. And it will eventually go away. Now, I genuinely could not imagine life without Micah. I could not imagine having a little girl. I now am even like, you know what? If I had a second little boy, I would not care. Micah would have a little best friend. Like, I would want him to have a, a brother. I would not care if I just didn't have a girl. But it took me having a little boy to realize that. But at the, I think it was the, goodness gracious, I ended up doing the panoramic, panoramic, I think it's what it's called. It's the DNA test for the baby to make sure that they don't have any like chromosomal abnormalities or anything like that. And it also is a gender test. Okay. So I ended up taking that as well. After taking those, what was it, three gender tests? And I remember getting those results while I was at work and I opened it up and I was like, yep, it says boy. So I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to Ryan. I said, well, I guess we're having a boy (laughs) after we already knew we were having a boy because we had seen it three times that we were having a boy. And then, of course, at the 20 week ultrasound, it was an absolute confirmation when we saw what he was working with. Okay, he did end up seeing me. Gosh. But anyway, I didn't really have many symptoms that like made me test but I will say the earliest symptom that I had and this is something to look out for because I later found out that it is actually a very early pregnancy symptom after it happened 
I had really bad wisdom tooth pain. And this was like the night before I tested positive for the first time. And, you know, I just thought like, oh, man, my wisdom teeth are going in. Like it hurts so bad because I didn't have any wisdom teeth yet. And I had taken an ibuprofen 800, which everybody knows is like a big no-no when you're pregnant. But obviously there was no baby yet. It was just like implanting. But yeah, I later found out like a few weeks later, I had Googled it. I was like, oh, I wonder like, because that was so weird. I had like that random pain and then all of a sudden I don't anymore. And Google did tell me that that can be a pregnancy symptom, which was quite interesting to me at least. So if you're having any wisdom tooth pain, ladies, take a pregnancy test. I honestly had a pretty good pregnancy. Like I can't really complain. The only issues really that arose were around the 10-week mark, which blew my mind. I was having really bad piriformis pain, which was like my piriformis muscle, which is like in your butt cheek. I guess you can kind of compare it to sciatic pain, except the really sharp pain doesn't shoot all the way down your leg. It just goes to your butt. And I it would almost take me out. I would go to get patients to bring them to the exam room. And there were multiple times that like I almost fell to the floor. It was insane. I had one of our physical therapists at work do dry needling on me. And let me tell you, that made me jump. Oh, my gosh, that was awful. But I didn't work. So that eventually that was that's because of relaxing in your body, by the way. Insane hormone. Do not love. But I eventually, that went away. I think that was around like the 17-week mark. And I was really, really praying it would go away before it. Because I went to Italy at like 18 weeks. I went to Italy with some friends. And I was like, I can't be walking around Italy. Like, I physically can't. I'm having a hard time walking as it is. I could not walk up my stairs, you guys. It was so bad. I could barely get up those stairs. So that was a, a problem in my pregnancy. I didn't have morning sickness. I was very, very lucky. But I did have like food aversions like nothing sounded good nothing tasted good I the only thing I wanted was like broccoli with butter salt pepper and potatoes in any form like that was pretty much like what I was eating my first trimester but I wasn't sick necessarily and then I would say the end of my second trimester is when I started getting like SPD pain which was absolutely no joke it feels like you're being ripped in half and of course we were building our home it had been like a year in progress so we started building our house before we got pregnant like way before we got pregnant and our house was supposed to be done in april spoiler alert it didn't get done until the very end of june because we didn't move in until july 1st now remember we live in texas and this was july so it was 100 plus degrees as a doobie and I was 31 weeks pregnant while we were moving luckily we did hire movers but I had taken the entire month off I was 30 I think I was 30 weeks pregnant when I quit work future Dana here I did the math I think I was like 25 weeks pregnant guys when I stopped working I had it all wrong so take that into consideration I had a month off work before we moved. Okay, back to where we were. Luckily, we did have that time so I could pack up the house because I was absolutely exhausted. I was having the SPD pain. There was no way I would have been able to pack up the house by myself in like two weeks. And we had hired the movers. Luckily, you know, they helped us move, but it was hot. 
it was stressful. We were going back and forth, trying to close for like an entire week. At one point, the movers were at the house. Ryan was at closing. Ryan called me and said, we're not closing. Tell them to unload the truck. And I almost lost my shit, guys. Actually, you know what? I did. I did lose it. I cried. I cried a lot. But I was 31 weeks pregnant. Like, what can you expect? I was so unbelievably stressed out. And when you're that far along and big things are happening, you are so convinced that you're going to go into labor early and everything's going to be a mess. You're not going to have a place to live, which we would have been perfectly fine. But the entire point is that I wanted to be moved in. I wanted to be unpacked and everything before the baby came. And also, da-da-da-da, we could not get married until after we closed on the house because we didn't want my debt to be taken into consideration when we were purchasing the house. And I had quit my job, so someone didn't have health insurance. That would be me. Didn't have health insurance. So eight weeks before the baby came, your girl did not have health insurance. And I was so convinced that I would go into labor early and have to pay $100,000 to have this damn baby. So we did end up closing the day after Ryan called me and said to tell them to unload the truck, which I did not tell them to unload the truck. Instead, they actually just kept all of our belongings in the truck and parked it at wherever the hell they parked their trucks. But we ended up closing the next day, and then they weren't actually able to move our stuff into our house until the day after that. So we slept on an air mattress in our other house the first night when Ryan said, oh, we're not closing today. And the next day he went and he was there, I think, for like six hours before he actually was able to close on the house and got the keys. So that's when we decided, I mean, he came back late, late in the afternoon. It was like borderline evening. And we decided, hmm, let's just pack up our little air mattress and go sleep in our new house, even though we weren't going to have anything here, literally nothing. So we packed up the dogs in our air mattress and trotted our way down an hour south and slept in our new house for the very first night. By the way, there were spiders in here because they like just left the spiders in here. That was really scary for me. I don't like spiders. Sorry if y'all can hear Micah in the background. He is now awake. But getting back to being pregnant and no longer talking about our house, I did unpack the house while like pregnant, very, very heavily pregnant. It took me weeks to do it. It was very, very hard. And then we also had to do like the nursery and whatnot. And I was just so dang stressed out. All right, so let's just get into going into labor and how we got there. Basically, I was, I think, at 30, I think it's a 38 week, or is maybe this a 37 week mark when she was checking my cervix for the first time. I was, I believe it was a centimeter dilated. I was like 80% effaced. And yeah, we, I, took that information and decided, okay, I'm going to do what I can to get this rolling because I am so sick of being pregnant. Like I said, I had crazy SPD pain. Ryan was literally laying on my back every single night. So I would make like a hole with my pregnancy pillow and I would lay so I could lay on my belly and I would have Ryan lay on my back to 
put counter pressure on my back. My hips were so out of place. It was insane. And that was like one of those kind of pains that feels good, you know? And so he would do that for me every night and it was amazing. And I wasn't sleeping at night, of course, because when you're that heavily pregnant, you have like terrible pregnancy insomnia. I was doing all the things. I was eating the dates. I was drinking the raspberry leaf tea. I was taking the evening primrose oil. I was collecting colostrum, but I had started leaking really early on and I had started collecting really early on. Of course, always ask your doctor about doing that. But by the time Micah was here, I was collecting like two ounces of colostrum every time I would like pump. And I used the Medela hand pump for that. I loved using that. But yeah, I was like doing all the things. I was curb walking, even tried to do the deed. You know, that didn't work. (laughs) Eventually, we were able to do my first membrane sweep. That was so unbelievably painful, but I wasn't super dilated when she did it. And I think that's why it was so unbelievably painful. Ryan was not there to hold my hand. I was holding the poor medical assistant's hand. I felt like I was going to break her fingers. It was that bad. I mean, my doctor put her fingers in my cervix and my body about went through the wall, let me tell you. And I was like, I'm not doing that shit again. Lo and behold, the week after I did it again. But I was like, yep, just do it. Ryan was there with me. I squeezed his hand. It wasn't as bad as the first time because I was more dilated. So that second membrane sweep was the one that did the trick. I had gone, did the membrane sweep, and then I went to get coffee with my best friend, Noelle. And as I'm like walking out of the coffee shop or whatever my lower back was just like starting to ache and I was like oh I'm probably you know it's probably just like achiness whatever whatever and I mean this was the same day like within this the same two or three hours of having getting this membrane sweep done and it wasn't until like a few hours later when it like kind of like increased and I was like huh maybe this or maybe I'm in labor like maybe I'm in early labor maybe these are contractions because it's kind of coming and going And it wasn't until I went to bed that night, like around 11 p.m., where it started, like, becoming something that I could be like, oh, yeah, wait, these are definitely contractions. Like, they would come and they would go and they were strong. And so I was like, okay, well, it's super early anyway. I wasn't really able to sleep that night, but I was doing, like, the contraction timer on my phone. And they weren't super close or anything like that. And they eventually, like, fizzled away a little bit and I was able to sleep. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and they were pretty consistent again. So I think it was around six o'clock in the morning. Ryan and I decided to just like go to labor and delivery. And it was like a Sunday. Otherwise, I think we would have just gone to the OB's office and had her check me. But yeah, so I went in, got checked and she was like, oh, sorry, you're still like a two and a half. And I was like, damn it. She sent us home. And I, la- I like labored all day for about six more hours. And then all of it, and it was like pretty rough labor. Like it was actually pretty painful at that point. And about six hours later, it just like went away. And I said, I started crying. I was like, oh my God, it was false labor. I was so unbelievably upset. I was like, I'm not having this baby anytime soon. I'm going to be pregnant for two more weeks. And I went to bed. I think it was like 10 o'clock. We went to bed. An hour later, I woke up and I was once again having these contractions, but I was like, God damn it, this false labor is 
really kicking my ass. I'm so upset. And I was like on the yoga ball for like days at this point. Like every time I sat down, I was on the yoga ball. I was really trying to open up my hips, get that baby down in there. And so, yeah, when it woke me up at 11 o'clock at night, I think it was like 11 or 12, I decided to just go downstairs, sit on my yoga ball because Ryan had worked the next day. And keep in mind, I made Ryan's lunch for work and I always leave these notes in his lunch. And the note that I left was, have a good day at work. Maybe Micah will get you a get out of get out of work free card today or something like that. I really can't remember exactly what it said. But it ended up working (laughs) because I was laboring. I was counting the contractions on the on the app and they were really close together. And I constantly felt like I had to pee. So I was like going and sitting on the toilet to pee and it would only pee for like a few seconds. And every time I sat on the toilet, I was like in excruciating pain. And now I understand why they call it the dilation station. But uh, yeah, so I was downstairs for a few hours, maybe like two hours at that point, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to go get in the hot shower and just like have the hot water beating down on my lower back because my lower back was killing me, you guys. I only had back labor. I didn't I didn't feel it in my like I would say like in my uterus at all. It was all lower back. It was unbelievably excruciating. So I was in the shower for like an hour. I was screaming and crying. Our bathroom is connected to our bedroom. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you guys can hear Micah crying in the background. Ruining the vibe, buddy. Ruining it. Telling a story about you. But yeah, so our bathroom's connected to our bedroom. We listen to Ocean Waves when we sleep at night. So I guess we could use that as the excuse. But I'm literally screaming and crying in the bathroom. Ryan comes in like an hour of me being in the shower and he's like Elsa woke me up our dog she was nudging me or I time to go to the hospital and he like goes in gets his jeans on and I said no it's just false labor I was like so upset I was like it's just false labor they're just gonna send me home he's like so what they're just gonna send us home let's at least go get you checked out because what if it's not false labor so he convinced me he talked me into it he called them while he was like getting dressed or whatever to let them know that we were coming in and he packed up the car while I was still in the shower and then he helped me get dressed. And it was like 2.30. We got to the hospital like 2.40, 2.45 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And thank God, because I mean, where we live, there's like five stoplights b- between us and the hospital. Our hospital's not far at all. If we didn't have those stoplights, it'd probably be like a three-minute drive. But with those stoplights, like during the day, it's a 10-minute drive. So we got there and, you know, we got upstairs and I'm just like crying. I'm just like Oh, God, I'm having such a hard time. The nurse checks me and she tells me that I am at a four and I'm crying. I'm like, thank God. Thank God. She's like, what do you want for pain management? And I said, get me an epidural. I want it right now. (laughs) It's just like, okay, well, we're going to take your blood first, you know, but I let them know that you want it. So that way, as soon as you're able, as soon as we get the results back, you can have it. And it's like, perfect. So she'd given me some, I think it was fentanyl. Shit didn't touch it, like just made me tired, just made me lightheaded, made me tired, did not touch any kind of pain. And I get the epidural. Eventually he comes in, gives it to me. It took him a minute because he couldn't get it right the first time. But like regardless, I didn't feel it. So like it didn't bother me at all that he missed it the first time. And luckily I wasn't actually having contractions during this. And I think 
I think I was having contractions, but I didn't feel it because he had injected Novocaine already. But he did an amazing job. If I wasn't already married, I would marry that man for sure. So after he gives me the epidural, Ryan decides he's going to run home to get the colostrum because we did not bring it with us in case I was just going to get sent home or if they didn't have a fridge or freezer or whatever to put it in. So he made sure that they had a spot to put it in. He went home, grabbed it, let the dogs out, grabbed the other remaining things that we needed. And I was asleep when he came home, when he came back. <laughs> I was like knocked. It was such a good little snooze. And then I didn't sleep again, I don't think, until later that night. Like I was resting. I felt fine. I didn't feel like I was super tired, but we were just resting. And Ryan did take a nap, but I did not. I was just laying there on my phone. I didn't tell anybody that I was in labor, by the way. The only person that knew that I was in labor was uh, my best friend, Noelle, and Micah's godmom. And she eventually came to the hospital to hang out with us. So we were all just hanging out for a few hours. And fun fact, my OB was actually not on call that day. She was, however, in surgery. So she saw that I was there and came and saw me. And she said, hey, you know, if you can have this baby by five o'clock, I will take care of you and I will deliver the baby. And I was so over the moon. Like, I was like, oh, my God. I hope we can get him out by 5, 5 p.m., by the way, because she obviously had to go home and, like, get her kids and whatnot, uh, and she was only there for surgeries, so she absolutely did not have to do this. But, of course, I wanted my OB, the one who has been taking care of me, to deliver our baby. We absolutely loved her. So she came in and checked on me in between each surgical patient that she had, and, you know, she'd be like, oh, yeah, progressing, you're progressing, you're great. Our... OB or sorry our labor and delivery nurse she was insanely amazing like could not give her enough kudos if I tried in every aspect of the word she was just the most amazing nurse I've ever come across and eventually you know the doctor came back in and she checked and she was like oh well you're uh 10 centimeters you ready to push let's get let's get me out of here essentially and I was like oh my god yes absolutely I was so happy I wasn't scared I wasn't really nervous everything was great I had my husband and my best friend in the room and we were ready to do this thing we were ready to get Micah earthside it's also important to note that I really wanted our OB to deliver because we had on our birth plan, I really wanted Ryan to help deliver the baby. And the OB that was on call that day was an amazing doctor. Everybody, he was actually like the director of OB, but he didn't allow for that. And my doctor did. So I was really hoping that Ryan would be able to help deliver Micah. And I'm just so glad that he was able to do that. And he is so glad that he did that. It was an amazing experience. For both of us um eventually at one point he did not want to there was a while there that he was like i don't even want to cut the umbilical cord i don't want to look down there i don't want nothing to do with it and when i had you know expressed i was like well i really want you to i don't want you to have regrets of like not doing it you know you're the one you cut the umbilical cord you're severing like you're severing me and micah like you're bringing him into the world like i just think that's such an important thing to do and i think it'd just be amazing if he got to catch micah and so he was able to do all that, which was amazing. But back to delivery. Yeah, that was amazing. I didn't tear. I was only pushing for 26 minutes and he was out. 
the as he was crowning his doctor or my doctor i guess not his doctor my doctor was uh in between pushes she was swirling her finger on his head saying so much hair i just braid it it was so funny it's just one of those things like i wish you could put it on a meme and when she said that i was so happy because i had had dreams that he had a lot of hair i had crazy heartburn and i know that's an old wives tale but i was just hoping he'd have a lot of hair i love when babies have a lot of hair and he did he came out with a full head of dark brown hair and he was so freaking cute 441 that very beautiful wednesday evening Micah came into the world and somehow I don't I just don't know how we made it before five before my doctor had to leave she was absolutely shocked but yeah 441 oh but yeah push for 26 minutes didn't tear I felt absolutely amazing I didn't hemorrhage or anything like that I will say those bundle massages afterwards why the hell do they stop your epidural before doing those those were excruciating i did not love those and i think i had like three or four of them and yeah so micah did come out screaming for a minute he was put on my chest he was relatively calm after that but he did and wasn't or sorry he wasn't able to get all of the fluid out of his lungs because he came out so fast so they had taken him to suction him you know like with after like I think like three or four minutes and then they brought him back to me to do golden hour and they still didn't like the way that he sounded so Ryan didn't get to have his golden hour because they do you know the golden hour with mom and then they do an hour with dad so Ryan didn't get to do that because they were kind of concerned they took him we didn't have a so we didn't have like a NICU at this hospital it's a pretty small hospital so they just took him back to the nursery where they have like one or two little incubator beds that they can work on babies to a certain degree and then after that if they're not able to you know fix the issue on their own they do have to send them to the closest NICU but they took him back there to do a deep suction and the doctor wanted to like monitor him closely close closely closely and eventually they would come back and grab Ryan and Ryan would be able to go back with him I didn't want him to be alone and I wouldn't be alone either. My, you know, like I said, Noel was there and his godfather, Danny, which is Noel's husband, would also be there at this point, basically after I'd already delivered. So I wasn't alone. They were there with me and they stayed with me until Ryan was, Ryan and Micah were able to come back. They did not want me to be alone or until I was able to actually get up, go pee and go see Micah myself. So the first time I got up out of that bed, I was really nervous, but I was perfectly fine. I was like, I'm not having any pain. I felt great. The SPD pain was gone. I didn't feel like sore or anything like that. The only thing I did not like was the feeling of my organs being, you know, going back down to where they were. Gravity was not fun. And yeah, so I went to the bathroom and then promptly after the bathroom, I got into the wheelchair. And I got to go see Micah. And that was like two hours after he was born. He was back there for a while. And I just kept looking at the clock. I was so worried, so concerned. But I knew that Ryan was back there with him and that if something, you know, was happening, he would have let me know. So I, you know, got rolled in there and he was so cute. Oh, he's such a cute little baby. He was so chubby and he had his 
dark hair and he just looked so content. He was asleep while they were like deep suctioning him and keeping him warm and, you know, checking his blood sugar and everything. And eventually he got to, you know, come back to the room. And the first night was amazing because, you know, they have their they have their little birthday nap and whatnot. He slept real good. Micah did latch right away. He did really good with breastfeeding from the beginning. I did have the syringes of colostrum on hand just in case. So after every time I fed him, we would give him one of those little syringes because they were just one ml so syringes just in case, basically which was amazing. I'm so glad that we did that. I barely slept that entire night. I don't know if it's just me or if it's like an actual common thing, but like the endorphins and the crazy rush that you get like after delivering a baby, like it wasn't like I was nervous about him or anything like that. It was just, oh my God, I'm wired. I was so wired and I hadn't even gotten any sleep. And I was actually like that for like two or three days. (laughs) I just really didn't want to sleep. I didn't feel like I needed to. I was just like high on happiness and love. Like it was, I was just like so over the moon. And Ryan was also so over the moon, but not so over the moon that he couldn't sleep. He could sleep just fine. He slept like a little angel. (laughs) But yeah, so we got to go home the next night. We didn't get discharged until like 5 or 6 p.m. or something like that. And I did take, you know, a quick little body shower the next day. And we had one visitor. My friend Melanie came and visited. And that was about that. We just spent the whole next day, you know, like cuddling with Micah. And then we finally went home at like 6 p.m. And let me tell you, that drive home was the scariest drive of my entire life. And we were so close to our house. But Texas drivers, man. You just never know. You never know what they're going to do. And I was sitting in the back with him crying. I was crying the entire way home. I felt like such a baby about it. But it you don't realize just how scary it is until you're doing it, you know, until you're in those shoes. I don't know how scary it was for Ryan, but for me, it was easily the scariest thing I've ever done is coming home with a newborn. Then, of course, bringing the baby home to our three very rambunctious dogs that hadn't seen us for over 24 hours that were super excited when we walked through the door was also really scary. But they quickly, quickly warmed up and were like, okay with it. It took them, you know, a few days of like getting to know Micah, getting to learn him, smell him, whatever, before they stopped getting excited about him being around. One thing that I would suggest if you're about to have a baby and you have dogs, is to have your husband, if you live close to the hospital, of course, but have your husband, your wife, your significant other, you know, whoever it may be, your mom, your dad, whoever you have as a support person, bring a blanket that your baby was wrapped up in to the dogs to sniff before you guys come home so that the baby can, the baby, (laughs) so the baby can get used to the smell. So the dogs can get used to the smell. And so that way they're not going to go super crazy when you like introduce them and they'll be like, okay, I've smelled this before. So that's what we did. Definitely recommend doing that. I think it really did help. But that first night honestly was not bad at all. I think that it went really smoothly. The only 
issue was that our very first pediatric appointment was the very next morning at like 7.30 in the morning, which was absolutely insane to me. You're sending these two brand new parents home at like 6 o'clock at night with a brand new baby that's going to wake them up every hour, you know, whatever, which Micah did not. Micah did not wake up like that. Micah was a good sleeper as a newborn. He only woke up when I woke him up to feed him. But like they're already exhausted because they've barely gotten any sleep the past few days. Now they have this brand new baby. (laughs) Can you hear the pterodactyl in the background? And you're expecting them to get up bright and early and go to their very first pediatric appointment at 7.30 in the morning. Absolutely blows my mind, but whatever. I cried. I cried on the way to that appointment. I can't really remember. I'm pretty sure I did. It was a whole lot of feelings, you know, but. All right, breasties, that's it for my pregnancy journey and birth story. I am going to make a part two next week for my breastfeeding journey because that is something completely on its own. That is a roller coaster. That's going to be a pretty good sized episode. So you guys can watch out for that. We are going to be releasing episodes on Wednesdays at around 8 a.m. So you can always look forward to that. If you're not already following me over on TikTok, it's at Dana Page Miller. And if you're not already a part of our Facebook group, our Facebook support group, it is The Breasties. And if you can't find that just by searching it, you can find it in my TikTok like to know it. Is that what it's called? No, my TikTok link tree. Guys, I never get that right. I keep saying sometimes I say LinkedIn, like to know it, and then I finally get there and say link tree. So yeah, definitely check those things out if you are not already a part of the Breasties gang, (laughs) community, whatever we may be. And look forward to future episodes with our breast stars. We have some really exciting breast stars coming up here soon. Thanks for listening and please give your feedback on what you guys think about our podcast. Any recommendations that you have, I would love to hear it. All right. Bye, Breasties.